So today I will be <coughs> talking again. <laughs> the title, <coughs> what I will talk is about knowledge and restraint. So for that purpose, I will take back the, the, the chart that we have seen at the beginning, and I will explain a little bit more about that. Sometimes I'm, I think that uh, what could be interesting is to talk about you, you know, to talk about your experience and uh, how you feel, what are your aspirations, your inspiration, also your desperation, the problems you are... <laughs> <laughs> but I have to talk about the chart. <laughs> so here we, you see we have a, not a dilemma, but something that is uh, combining theory and practice, something that is combining uh, the no, 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 what, what, what we know and the knowledge itself. <laughs> so the knowledge arises from the known, from what we know. When we, it's a Knowledge is something empirical. It's something that comes from experience. From the experience comes the knowledge, and then the knowledge is expressed in the, you know, various teachings or various theories. And now in the Buddhism, we have the Sutta, we have the Abhidhamma, and all that. This is called knowledge. So how to, how to balance the gap between the theory and the practice, between the, uh, the Sutta, the Abhidhamma, and what you are experiencing now? How to do that? So I was thinking, you know, in the paintings, when the kids or when people, they learn painting from the first time, they go to the, the, the artist, you know, the teacher, and uh, if it's very difficult for people to reproduce an image, you know, like uh, you want to paint the nature, so they have to paint the, the deer, or they have to paint the tree and things like that, you know, they reproduce something that is there already. But for some people, they get blocked because they conceptualize, oh, how can I paint an animal, you know, and then they say, oh, that's a beard, and then they get blocked because, they, because of their uh, psychological attitude. So what do you do, the teachers? is that they take, uh, they say, okay, now forget about that, you know, and, uh, and then instead of having the person uh, representing a concept, they take the image and they turn it upside down. No? So then they don't, see, uh, they don't see a deer or they don't see a, 
an animal or they don't see uh, a person, they just see the color. So then it's much easier. They go beyond the concepts and then for them it's easy to reproduce them. What is that? So I don't know what you have done with your chart. No? Maybe it's in your drawer or you forgot about it. <laughs> so I brought the chart again. So I will try to, I will try the, you know, I will try that, that principle. So I will put it upside down like this. <laughs> so I don't know if I am obsessed or something, but what reminds, what this reminds me is, is the, is the, is the funnel. I think I will have to use the funnel principle again. <laughs> so the funnel principle is to go from the gross reality to more subtle reality. It's a process of uh, progression. A progression is a process of uh, just uh, a natural way of, uh, you know, handling the things. Mm. Yes, we have to talk about knowledge. No, so knowledge is the jnana. It's called in Pali jnana. No, so jnana also is derived from the word panya, and the panya is the samaditi. And samaditi comes first, as we have seen. We have to see, we have to understand, and we have to have a perspective on what we are doing. So we will ret retrospect of what we have seen last time, and we talk about sila, no? because the chart is like that, from the grass to the subtle. So we are still at the level of sila. So we have seen that the sila is divided, we have divided in, in four, like first is the non-sila non of non-transgression, then the second type of sila was the sila of restraint, and the first, the third one is the motivation, that is the chaitasika, and the fourth one is the chaitana, the intention. So this was the way that we uh, decided to divide the, the sila itself. So also, we have seen that the first type of sila, the non-transgression, non it's the non-breaking of the precepts. And the second one is uh, just to get the restraint. And the third one is the knowledge. So knowledge, we relate it to the panya. And the panya is the understanding, you know, the samaditi. And... Mm, so 
the, uh, you try to follow me, no? It may be complicated, but we will come to, uh, we will come to, to a point. So the first one is the non-transgression, no? Then the second one is the restraint. And the third one is, uh, yes, the motivation. And the, sec- the fourth one is the intention. So the second one, the restraint, sangvarasi, la. No, you know where I am, no? Okay. So the sangvarasi, la. This is not in your, this is not in the chart. <coughs> this is a way of analyzing the, this is a way of analyzing those types of sila. In the chart, in the chart, we have the first one is the precepts down there. After that, we have the patimoka restraint, then restraint of the sense faculties, and then purification of livelihood, and the recollections of the use of the requisites. So the way we divide it, like those four types of sila. So the third one is the sila of restraint. So the sangvara sila. So that sangvara sila can be divided also in five, uh, five classes. So the first type of restraint is the restraint of non-transgression, like the, the sila sangvara, that is you observe the precepts and you don't transgress them. The second type of sangvara is uh, the sangvara of uh, sati. So with the sati, with the mindfulness, then we can restrain our actions. And the third type, the third type of um, restraint is the restraint by knowledge. No. And then the fourth one is the restraint by the volition. So you make a volition, and then you, you restrain yourself. You abstain. You 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 restrain yourself to uh, not break uh, the precepts or to uh, develop good states of mind. And the fifth one is the restraint by patience. So the third one, the, the third one of, of those, uh, of, uh, those restraints is uh, restraint by knowledge. So this refers again to the Panya. That means knowledge we have to understand. So because we understand, <laughs> then we avoid things or we do good things. So we can discriminate between what is wholesome and what is unwholesome. So like that, you know, so that type of uh, knowledge, restraint by knowledge, you can we can apply it to the first type, you know, for the not breaking the precepts, and also we can apply it to the restraint of the sense faculties, and also to the purification of livelihood and the recollection of the requisites. Yes, I got the point. <laughs> so the knowledge, you know, the knowledge I want to refer to is the sutta called the Sabha-Sava. Sabha-Sava, Sabha-Sava. It's the second of the Majjhimanikaya. And in that sutta, they say that the destruction of the taints, you know, the destructions of the, the, of the defilements or the impurities, 
they come for one who knows and for one who sees. So somebody has to know and somebody has to see. And uh, then somebody has to see what? Somebody has to know what? So the person has to know wise attention and unwise attention. That is, in the Pali, it's yoniso manasikara and ayoniso manasikara. So we have to distinguish between yoniso manasikara and ayoniso manasikara. So those wise or unwise attentions, you know, that, that, that word, what does it mean, the yoniso manasikara? So I will try to explain a little bit. So yoniso means uh, the origin. It can mean the matrix. It can mean the origination of things, you know, the beginning. And manasikara is uh, from two words, mana, ma- mano, and uh, kara, karoti. So it's the making of the mind, what the mind is uh, making. So sometimes it is translated, translated as attention, sometimes it is translated as a consideration or reflections. Or, so it is the making of the mind. Like in the Pali, they say pati vekati and pati sankati. So it is reflection, consideration, discrimination. All that comes into uh, mental activity, mental uh, doing of the mind. So in the commentary, like they say, what is that? What is that activity of the mind? Because we have seen that, uh, for example, the basic precepts, you know, the basic precepts and uh, all those rules that we are trying to observe, they cover mostly the aspect of uh, body actions and then verbal actions. But what about mental actions? This is very important, and uh, in the First step, you know, the samaditi, the right vision, is to see between wholesome actions and unwholesome actions. And then not only physical and verbal actions, but also mental actions. So how do we do that part? How do we understand the activities of the mind? How do we direct? How do we, uh, how do we put it in the proper direction? So the... Commentary, they, they define yoniso manasikara as two types, you know, there, is, there are two types of manasikara. And um, one is uh, uh, knowing the right track, and the other one is uh, uh, knowing the right means. So you have, um, you have pata, this is the path. pata, manasikara, and then the other one is uh, upaya. Manasikara. So pata, you just know the direction where you go. It's a, so you go like in the like in the in the Dhamma, we go towards the truth, towards understanding. This is the direction. And uh, what are the upaya? Upaya means approach. It can mean also 
the way or the not the methods but um, yes, the means, the expedient and also the stratagem. When we have a stratagem, then we can plan the things according to uh, to the way uh, we want it to uh, to end up. So, uh, I have uh, just to show how, how this is working, to see the right track and also the right means, the right uh, approach and the right uh, stratagem that we are going to use on the way to uh, to the meditation. So when we look at the pagoda, you know, or the funnel, whatever you want to call it, we can see we can see that there, the, we can see that the, right, the direction. There is a direction from down to up. No, this is the length. So we can see that this is the path. This is the this is the directions that we have to uh, to orient ourselves to. And then the upaya, the means or the approach, they are like the length the, the length of the um, of the circumference, the diameter. But we see also in the pagoda, there are different, uh, you know, diameter. In the lower parts, it's very large. And then in the middle parts, it's uh, less larger. And then also uh, at the top, then it is uh, smaller. So if we look it at the down there, we see, uh, we can see it like that. You see, there are three steps. It goes like this. So first you have that one. It's a very big circle. So then there can be many things there. And then you have the second one, like that. So it is a smaller circle. No. And then you have the last one. It is a smaller. It is a still s smaller. So in all, you understand no, the, the idea. The first you have that one there, then that other one here, and this one like that. So. So those represents the, the the way that we can handle the things. Huh? I also brought uh, you know another sample for either the pagoda or the funnel. I will show it to you. <laughs> it's like that. So you have the first part down there. And then the middle part, and then the top, the top part like this. So you can put it either way. No, you can put it like that also. <laughs> so that's a, that's a funnel. So the funnel has many, like uh, at the top there. Then it's very wide. It's very wide, and then at the middle it's more le less wide, and uh, at the bottom it's very swallow. No. So the thing is that uh, the funnel, you know, we can use it in we can use it like that also if we don't have a big flow of water, and uh, we can use it also like this. So if the flow of water is not very big, then we can uh, we can do like that. 
So we can see that uh, for the, the, this is the Scylla aspect down there. So in the Scylla, there are many ways. There are many, many uh, ways to handle the things. So they will not be the same as uh, in the Samadhi, if we divide the, the Pagoda into the Sila, Samadhi, Panya. So at the basic, the means and the approach and the stratagem we are going to use they are very different than what we are going to use in the Samadhi part and also what we are going to use at the Panya part. And this is the same thing for the knowledge. So this is a refinement, you know. You go from down there and then it goes refined and then more refined at the top. So we have the refinement of the mind, no? refinement of the practice. But also, uh, we should see that there, there are refinements of the tools. We have to refine the tools also. For example, um, for example, a dentist. If you go to the dentist, then he has many tools. He has drills, you know, dozens types of drills. And I don't want to remind you of bad things, you know. But uh, <laughs> and then he has pliers, and uh, you know. Uh, all kinds of things that are suitable for, for certain types of works that he wants to do. For example, if he wants to extract a teeth, he will take the plier, right? And he will extract the teeth. If he wants to uh, dig a cavity, he will, he will use a type of uh, smaller drill. And then if he wants to dig out the, pl uh, the filling, then he will dig out something else. Or he will, he will use another tool, and if he wants to do a root canal, then he will use another type of uh, thing. So those are different tools that uh, they are using, depending on the circumstances. So if he wants to extract the tooth, the teeth, he will, not use the he will not use the drill, you know. He will use the plier. And if he wants to extract the like AVT, you will not use the plier, you will use the drill. So now, if we talk about the sila, if we talk about the sila, then then there are some means, no? There are some means to uh, to purify, and then also to get um, to get over it. So, so we have to remind, we have to remember that the, the things, the, the thing is about knowledge. So we speak, we want to speak about jnana sangvara, the knowledge of uh, restraint uh, or restraint by knowledge. So, uh, on the first one, because we know the things are not so good, then we we don't do them. So we have to reflect. You know, it's like a mirror. So we have to see when we are doing the things, you know, whatever we are doing, we have to be aware of what we are doing. And uh, before doing something also, we have to reflect on, oh, is that action going to be bring me harm or bring me uh, happiness? Or is it going to harm another person or not? And uh, also after the action is done, you know, whether... Uh, bodily or verbal actions and even mental actions we have to reflect about the effect and also the uh, the quality of the actions that we have done so in that way the knowledge enters into 
deeply. But what is, so then at that time we have to reflect, that means we have to, we don't need, like at that time we are not using the meditation as such. It's not meditation, we talk about the sila, so we have not yet gone to the, to the second step. Of course, if we are at the second step, then it's easier, you know, to, to observe the sila and to, uh, to be aware of our intentions and motivation. This is very easy. When we are concentrated, then also the mind uh, becomes very clear, so we don't need to, uh, to work some, so much on that. But if our uh, samadhi or if our meditation is breaking, then we have to come back to those basic, basic things. And that's very important because... Uh, why I want to show, why I wanted to uh, to say that is that sometimes, you know, sometimes if you specialize too much on the meditation, or uh, then you, we forget, you know, we forget that the filter, the it can be used. Sometimes it, it just go like that. So when the everything is fine and all the conditions are appropriate, then we can pour the water properly. And then nothing is going to overflow into an uh, unskillful state of mind because the, the water is uh, flowing up early. But uh, when we go out, <laughs> you know, when we go out into our life and to do our activities and uh, the things we have to do, then not only we have a small filter, but we are having, a, you know, a huge uh, car of, uh, of uh, a huge water tank. <laughs> so... If the flow is too much, then what we do with our small filter is, you know, we cannot uh, we cannot get get it right. So, at that time, we have to use a bigger filter. That's why the bigger filter is is to cover is to cover, you know, a wide aspect. And then, by knowing that the, the practice of the Dhamma is not only in deep samadhi, then we can adjust. You know, we can keep in the funnel, and we can keep going towards the towards our goal, which is the purification of the mind. Now we come to uh, to the fourth one that we didn't cover. <laughs> you know, the last time we talked about the restraint of the sense faculties a little bit and the purification of livelihood and also the about the precepts. So today we will talk a bit about the reflecting on the use of requisites. So what are the use of the the requisites? The requisites is actually, now they are talking about monks, but uh, it's the requisite of life itself, like what we need to stay alive, what we need to survive. This is what is called a requisite. What is the essential for us to, uh, to keep on going? That is to keep healthy and then to be protected you know, for, for, from, that, uh, from, the, from the bad weathers and... Um, and also to keep, uh, you know, to have some medicine. So those requisites are divided into four. You have the, you have the shelter, that is, uh, you know, the shelter that protects us for, from, the, uh, from the temperature and from the danger that can come from outside. And then we have the, the clothes, 
and then we have the food and we have the, um, the medicine. So this is this is a reflection, you know, reflecting on the use of the four requisites. So it's a, it's something that uh, reflection. That means an activity of the mind, but the activity of the mind will be the yonisu manasikara will be at the level of uh, sila. It is just on the level of uh, of uh, ordinary life. So if we are able to uh, to reflect on those actually very normal um, activities then this brings a quality to the things we are doing and also it brings a purpose to why we are using those things. So we say that the needs, what is a need, is something that is going to keep us alive. So if we look at the animal world, what they need is the same thing, you know, they need food and all the time they are just searching for food. And then reproduction, this is, uh, this is their need, but it's not actually a need in itself, but it's the law of nature. And, uh, then, all, and then that's all, because they are not thinking. But the, but the human, we are thinking, we are thinking animals. So we have to do also something, you know, to keep um, to keep our mind healthy and to keep uh, surviving. So that's why those uh, those tools are given to uh, to keep our mind on the right track. So uh, when we are involved into those uh, activities, we have to reflect what we are doing and then also the purpose of why we are doing the things. So, for example, like the recitation that the monks needs to uh, to contemplate before and after eating and during eating also. Yes, but uh, we will start with the robe, you know, to use the to use the, the the robes. So the robe is there to protect us from the heat and the cold, and the, from the mosquitoes and the wind, and the sun and the creepings, and uh, concealing the private parts like that. So it is just for that. It's no more than that, and the armful. It's, it, we have to reflect that it's not for amusement or intoxication or f- physical beauty and attractiveness, but just for the endurance and continuance of the, of the body and to ending discomfort and assisting the pure life. Then we have to consider that I shall terminate all feelings without without arising new one and have a blameless life and live in comfort.
and the medicine is for protection from the arisen afflicting feelings and the benefit of the good health. And the resting place is a protection from cold, the heat, mosquito, uh, the wind and the sun and the creeping things and the working off perils of climate and enjoying retreat. So how do we practice that type of thing? So first we have to distinguish what is the need, what we need to survive, what we need to keep alive, and what we prefer. This is uh, two different things. And uh, what we prefer, this is natural also. You know, we don't need uh, to put away our preferences. But just to make a, a distinction between what is really needed and also what is we prefer. Because if we are not aware of that and then take our preferences seriously, then we will think that uh, uh, what we prefer actually we need it. But this is not the case. What we prefer is just what we like the more. But the uh, unwise attention, if we are not careful, then the preference will... Uh, lead to uh, like and dislike, of course, but um, to more uh, discontent, and it will lead to a lot of uh, unpleasantness. So before we use those four, four requisites, we have to reflect like that. For example, by using the, the, the clothes that we are wearing, then if we know that they are just there to protect ourselves and uh, you know, just to keep us alive, then uh, instead of uh, using them to show off and to, you know, to just to, to, to show that we are better than others or that we are this type of person or, or that person, then we use them for the purpose. And then we use, then the mind after that can go to the essential, which is, uh, which is understanding and which is the uh, a good, you know, good activity. And then we can refine the mind because the mind doesn't get stuck only at the material things. We don't take the needs so seriously. So our purpose in life is not the needs, but our purpose in life is beyond the needs. The needs are not the end in itself. The needs are just a tool to come to the end. So that's very important. So we the difference between the needs and the end. And then the end, actually, is just the refinement of the mind. So... When we, when we think like that, by using the requisite, then we'll see that uh, 
the greed or the hatred or all those kinds of uh, bad feelings will not arise and will not create to us uh, bad, uh, bad results. So first, when we are using you know, those four things, we have to be aware of the actions itself or you know, the material things. And then also we have to be aware of our mind or at that time. Is my mind going in the wrong direction or in the right direction? So those two directions, actually, they are like the roots. And they, we can divide them into two. We have seen that uh, the cause of uh, wrong actions and uh, good actions is the men- mentality. The cause is the... Um, is the tree like the motivation divided in the three mula, no? the loba dosa moa or aloba dosa moa, moa, that is non-greed uh, or greed, uh, hatred and delusion or non-greed, non-hatred and non-delusion. So we have to be very aware before we are eating, for example. Then we set up the mind in the proper direction. And also, when we are eating, we keep the mind oriented towards that. And we see by experience, okay, which type of feeling are arising. When I am eating, Do am I, am I eating because I want to get more, because uh, the, the greed has developed in me? Or am I eating just uh, to keep the body alive? And that's a big distinction because... Once we have finished eating, then it's enough. Then we have enough, and uh, we have enough for the survival, and we don't worry about it. But if, uh, when we are doing like the eating, if uh, the defilements arise in us, uh, then it will create more and more. So. I'm not so, uh, talk is not so uh, uh, elaborated, so I will take another uh, gadget. <laughs> so I will ask you, <laughs> that's easier now. <laughs> so I will ask you, what is that? So be careful, because if you say it's a funnel, I will tell you that's a pagoda. And if you say it's a pagoda, I will tell you it's a funnel. So what is this? I guess you don't know. <laughs> or you may know, huh? Oh, not exactly. It could be a party. Yeah. But actually, it's a, I will say it's a trumpet. <laughs> you see, when you know, no? Like that. So, we will call it the trumpet uh, principle. So, in that family, you know, in the trumpet family, we find the the clarinet and then the oboe and the tuba and all those uh, wind instruments that are, you know, going like this. And uh, also, uh, there is the gramophone, you know, those uh, record, old recorders. This is kind of amazing if we look at that. It's just a, a needle, you know, a needle or a diamond or something so sensitive that when it's scratched just a little bit, you know, the, the record, the, that, that disc, then that vibration, 
is reverberated to a huge extent, you know, and then with amplifier we can make it very, very huge. So this is the principle with the, with the root cause of uh, our happiness or unhappiness. It just starts with a little bit of greed, you know, just a little bit, and then it just blasts into, uh, you know, uh, sounds that we cannot, uh, we cannot even uh, control. So that's, uh, this is, you know, that's, this is where we have to be careful. We have to be careful at the beginning, just a little bit of, uh, you know, akusala, or, you know, wrong thinking. Like we are thinking about uniso manasikara, so it's the making of the mind. So that means the mental actions are very important. And what we think is also very important. This is uh, the most important because what we think, the way we think, if we think with hatred or if we think with metta or if we think with uh, greed or generosity, then it is affecting us. It is really affecting us. You just experiment. And also we are affecting other people. When we are unhappy, then uh, all the world around us gets unhappy. And when we are peaceful, also all the world around us gets uh, peaceful. So I think this is uh, that's all for tonight. That is, we have Yoniso Manasikara. That is one. The funnel is there, and then we have to be careful that our uh, all is going, you know, in the right direction, not in the di- not in not in the wrong direction. But what defines the the proper consideration and the improper consideration is uh, the direction where it is going, and then also the means that uh, we are using to go to that end. So, like if we have, the, if we have a bottle, you know, and we want to, f- to fill a bottle with uh, another type of, uh, uh, with something liquid, then we have to see that the, the funnel goes right in the right, I- I- that the funnel is, is adjusted to the bottle, you know, because it's good if we fill the funnel and everything is going fine, but if the the opening is not going in the bottle, you know, then it's useless. It just goes, uh, it, it just spoils the whole thing. And also, if we fill the bottle and then we just overflow the funnel, then also we are spoiling the whole thing. So this is the thing. We have to be on the right track and also we have to know what are the right means. So we have to remind ourselves, for example, when... Uh, if it's difficult for us to keep us to keep the meditation su- subject all the time, you know, for m- most of you it's possible, and you know, with uh, the intense practice that we have been doing for almost uh, three or almost uh, four weeks, then our mind gets quite quite concentrated, and we are very clear about the activity of the mind. But sometimes, the mind is very fed up, <laughs> it's very tired, and we cannot concentrate anymore, you know, because we have done it all the day. So. Just by itself, the mind wants a break. So at that time, we have to be very careful, you know. And it's not so difficult. We, have, we just need to be aware and to, to put our funnel in the, in the right direction. That is, uh, when we are thinking, if we, cannot, if we cannot stop, you know, with our meditation, then we have to be careful with the, uh, that the thinking is going in the right place. So we have to think about good things. And those, those good things, they are like the different types of uh, uh, means, the different types of uh, stratagem that we are using. So sometimes we can think about uh, 
we we can think about uh, like if we are in the in the practice of meditation, you know, then we can think about different types of uh, like Buddha Nusati and uh, Dhamma Nusati, Sangha Nusati, and then uh, generosity and all or death or metta. This is one type, and then also if we are um, just this is on the meditation, you see. So this is the, the another level. It's not the same. It's not. Uh, it's that one, the second level. But if we are at that level, just the level of sila, then we have to think in another way. We don't need to have a specific uh, meditation object, but we just keep the mind reflecting on good things, which is just uh, reflections. Uh, yeah, so, what is the use, you know, to uh, uh, to develop or to understand and to make the difference in our life between what we need and what we prefer, what we like, and what we uh, we are uh, craving for? Is that uh, that quality of uh, being satisfied with the basic things in life? It doesn't mean that. We cannot improve our life. We should not want to improve our life. But the basic uh, quality of uh, know that what we need to survive is just those four basic things. That is the medicine and the food and the lodging and um, shelter. Then we can develop a kind of contentment. We can be contented. And then with the contentment, then we can develop you know, the mental qualities, we can refine our mind. But first we need to have a kind of contentment. Nowadays the society or, you know, the world in general, they, they, they feed with uh, discontentment. So we are just looking for always wanting something, something more and something more. So that quality of contentment brings uh, uh, ourselves to... Uh, to the meditation. So there was a story of uh, the king, uh, Indian king, the king Pasenadi. And once, you know, the, those kings, they are just, uh, they have a lot of luxuries and they, everything is very rich in their life. So when they eat, they have uh, plenty of uh, all kinds of dishes and very rich. So one day they eat, the, the king was, uh, after having his... Uh, breakfast, morning. So his morning breakfast, he went to see the Buddha. And uh, his breakfast consisted, I think he was probably eating a lot, you know. They said that he was eating half a, half a bucket of, half of a basket of rice. So it must be very much. And uh, the, that amount of uh, food wa- was also with a lot of meat, curries, and all kinds of heavy things. So when he went to see the Buddha, he was always nodding and, you know, sleeping. And <laughs> so the Buddha told him, oh, you should reduce the amount of food that you intake, you know. You should be careful with your food. So then the king went back and uh, 
he did as the Buddha told him. And uh, then after a while, you know, he became kind of thin, but, but he was very healthy and he was also very happy. So he came back to the Buddha and he, he told him that uh, now he has reduced his food and he feels much better, mu much lighter, and he is not drowsy anymore like he used to do, you know. And then the Buddha told him, yes, <laughs> he told him that um, health is the greatest gain and contentment is the greatest wealth. And the friend whom you can trust is the best relative. A friend that you can trust, this is the, be the best relative that you can have. But contentment is the greatest well. So if we remember that one, it's a good one. Because you have people who are very rich, but they are not contented. And then they are, they, there is no end to their desire. And also you have people who are very contented, they live a simple life, and then they are very happy. So we don't mean that uh, you, we don't. We don't mean that you should be poor and uh, you know having nothing. We mean that uh, what you have, you should also be contented and try to see what is really needed and what is superfluous. Yes, last uh, this week, then a yogi came and he reported that uh, that now she's uh, not she is interested only in meditation because she started to be very happy with the meditation. So she said that uh, she is very happy with the meditation, and then nothing else interests her. She is just interested to continue the meditation. So when she realized that, she took a determination. Yes, now I will give all my time and all my attention to the quality of the practice. And then she started with uh, to practice like that. And then she said that the, the results were very good. So if we still continue to meditate, if we still think that something outside is going to bring us happiness, you know, and then, yeah, maybe, you know, I should do this, maybe I should then... This is not uh, going to bring very good results if we want to continue like that. But if we say, no, no, all my time is for meditation and then all my energy is going there, then for sure the results are going to come. And then for those who are going back home or will be leaving sometimes soon, then the practice of metta also is very good. And also all those qualities that you can develop, you know, and keep the awareness and uh, your meditation.
So if you have any questions, you please uh, ask. Yes. Please. Yes. Okay. So, can I explain about the wisdom eye? So you can see different colors, different objects. In the same way, Western eye can see ultimate materiality, ultimate mentality, and they are causes. And then again, this ultimate materiality, ultimate mentality, and they are causes are called Sankara formations. Western eye can also see these formations are impermanent nature, suffering, dukkha, non-self, another. This is called insight knowledge. This is also Western eye. <coughs> if this insight contemplate these formations as nature, dukkha, another, according to Vipassana, different stages of Vipassana. One day, depending on his parami or her parami, realize Nibbana. Realizing Nibbana also see Nibbana by Western eye only. So there are different types of Western eyes. What is Western eye? One practicing samatha, for example, you may see here Anabana Nimeda. If you can concentrate on the nimitta, then full absorption may arise. This is jhana samadhiti, jhana western eye. Why it is called western eye? You can see by your western eye, although you do not use your physical eye. Can you see your nimitta? Yes, this C is called Western Eye. 
Jana Samadhi. That Jana Samadhi is rise dependent on your heart place. But that Jana Samadhi, Jana right view, does not rise alone. It always arises together with associated mental formations. All together there are 34 mental formations. For beginners, when they are descending, Jana Pedas, usually we teach Pajana Pedas, Vidyaka, Vichara, Pidi, Sukha, Igagra, etc. But not only Pajana Pedas, there are 34 mental formations. Among 34 mental formations, wisdom faculty is one type. This wisdom faculty is the leader of these those middle formations. This wisdom faculty metaphorically called wisdom eye. Why? It can see the nimeda. It can penetrate the nimeda. In the same way it can produce strong powerful light surrounding your body. This light, of, light also called the light of wisdom. In the same way, when you are practicing four elements meditation, you can see subatomic small particles. You can directly see by your Western eye, not physical eye. Again, if you analyze these small particles, you can see ultimate materialities such as Add element, water element, fire element, wind element, color, odor, flavor, nutritive essence, life faculty, transparency, etc. So you can penetrate this ultimate materiality by your western eye. At the day, not by imagination or not by inference. You can directly see this ultimate materialities. So this is also called western eye. But your physical eye, natural eye, cannot see this ultimate materiality. Cannot see your nimeda. In the same way, when you are discerning ultimate mentality, you can clearly see this. There are Pajana Pedas or there are the deeper mental formations. You can clearly see. So this is also called Western eye. But again, if you can Descent dependent origination. Other than you can clearly understand past causes produce present effect, present causes will produce future effect. Past cause also you can directly <coughs> see. Present cause, present effects also you can directly see. Present cause also you can directly see. Future effects also you can directly see. This is also Western eye. Again, this cause and effects are called uh, Sankara formations. These formations, as soon as they rise, they pass away very, very quickly, so they are nature impermanent. They are always oppressed by rising and passing away, so they are suffering dukkha. There is no permanent entity, permanent self, so they are nada, no self. So this nature, nature, Dukkha nature, not that nature also you can see. This is also, that scene is also called Vishra.
Again, you can penetrate Nibbana. Last thing. When you are inside knowledge, begin, make you are at the end or you are inside, part improving knowledge will arise. That part improving knowledge will realize Nibbana. That knowledge, part improving knowledge, is also called Vista Eye. So there are different stages of Vista Eye. If you want to understand these different stages of Vista Eye, you must practice four months. <laughs> Is it okay? <laughs> okay, you must practice. <laughs> okay, any question? Um, about the overcoming any thoughts that come up, um, like the hindrances, I wonder, you were saying to recall metta or gratitude, things like that. And I wonder, is that good across the board for all of the hindrances? Or is there a specific type of All the, the five hindrances actually they arise because of the wrong attitude of mind, no? Because of ayuniso uh, manasikara. So the wrong attention is the main factors for all those five uh, five hindrances. But uh, when those five hindrances come, you know, the first thing to do is to be aware. Okay, now this hindrance of uh, sense desire or this hindrance of hatred has as a reason or this hindrance of sloth and torpor or restlessness. So we identify the thing. So we you have to be aw- very aware of it. We accept it, and then we look at it. We look at the process itself. And uh, by looking at it, then we come to understand the causes. And uh, then the causes are different with the different, uh, different, uh, you know, different, uh, uh, different nivarana. No? So the, the means also, the means, they will be different. Like uh, if somebody is having a sense desire, then he should think in a, in a way that will not arise, you know, he not arise the sense, sense desire. If somebody gets angry, then if he develops metta, then he will not, uh, uh, that tendency to get uh, angry will not, uh, will not arise so much in himself. Like that for the, the, the other one also. Because the yes, because also this is a, this is not necessarily a, the endurances of sense desire. It is just sense contact. So that's why I was talking about uh, you know the different uh, means and the different stage. So the nivarana they are very strong and they are overpowering. When the when the, the those endurances those five endurances are coming, then we don't see anything. We are just a little bit blind. So then at that time we have to do a proper. Uh, you know, a proper uh, taking care of them uh, with appropriate uh, solutions. But uh, what you are talking is that just the simple enjoyment of uh, life or simple enjoyment of things as they are, this is not necessarily hindrance. Hindrance starts to come when, when the desire and when the greed and when the, the emotions come so intense that uh, we are blurred, we are uh, blinded. By uh, by the emotions, that is a negative type of uh, of uh, thing. So, uh, if we come back, you know, to the to that chart, what is important and what has not been so well explained is the restraint of the sense faculties. 
So the sense faculties, we have the six sense faculties, no? the five one, and then plus the mind. So all the time we are in contact with the senses, the different senses. Now we say, okay, the meditation is not to, to close everything and just to, to keep absorbing one thing and then to make abstraction. This is not complete. It is complete in one stage, when we have reached the second stage. You know, Once we have reached the, the, the stage of uh, meditation practice, and so at that time we can, we can make abstraction of other things because it's a training. And the training is to get the concentrated. The, tra- the training is to get the one-pointedness of mind. But uh, uh, that one-pointedness of mind has to be used later to understand the, the six senses. So at the beginning, if we are able to, uh, to work on those six senses properly, that is, first we become aware of them, you know, that we are sitting, so the touching, uh, the touching, you know, the, the sensitivity of the body with the contact with the, with the, with the, sense ob- uh, with the <coughs> physical object, and then also when we see some things, you know, we see... Uh, uh, sights or colors or flowers or anything, then the the visual the visual uh, sen- sensitivity uh, gives rise the contact of the object the visual consciousness the visual sensitivity makes arise the visual consciousness. So at that time is a crucial like if we are not aware of our mind when we see things and then we when we are eating food you know tasting and if we are not aware of the mind, how the, the thoughts are cheating us, or the uh, interpretations of reality are just coming and develop like the trumpet, you know, and then blow off into defilements. It is just the wrong, uh, wrong processes of the mind. So if we are able to catch the interpretations that the thoughts are giving on the reality, uh, we, have to, we are much more in a position to understand the hindrances because we go at the root and the root is the is to is to see how they arise you know so when we are in contact with the senses you know seeing things or touching things or hearing things or smelling then we are we make the distinction that uh, that the division with the two the, the two types of roots the unwholesome roots and the wholesome roots so the unwholesome is the greed and then the hatred and then the delusion so uh, when we see things, if we see that we have to be sensitive, we have to be aware of our mind. So if we see that uh, the sense impact generate greed or generate hate or, or delusion, then we have to be first aware of it and then not let it turn into a defilement. Then we are able to, you know, to, to maintain, to clear up the things and not to accept, you know, the... the not to accept new defilements, not to accept, not to feed the defilements. But of course, if they have come to the extent that uh, the entrances is really strong, then the other means, you know, like a specific means, are, have to be taken. And uh, like sloth and torpor, then you, you eat less and you, uh, uh, you wash your face or you look in the air and in the sky and, uh, you know, like that. And uh, also you... Uh, you talk with people sometimes just to get you inspired for doing good things and then to wake up a little bit. So all those five hindrances have, you know, uh, specific uh, means to uh, to be uh, taken taken off. So we have to we, we have to be honest and we have to we have to identify them when they come.
Because you know, in the in the way of the progr progression, we said that uh, it's like the funnel. So it's a progressive uh, path. The path is uh, is by stage. It's a progressive training. So first we start with uh, with something simple, and then it it get you know it get more refined. So when it is described, you know, in the text, the the pro what is the progressive training? So they start with. Uh, the observance of the, you know, kind of morality. So they start with the sila. So people observe sila, and then they, they, they get rid of, uh, you know, like the refinement of the mind. We spoke last week. They get rid of bad actions. So they don't commit, uh, you know, bad things that are going to harm them. So this is sila. After the sila, then they restrain the sense. Because uh, you have the five senses, but also the sixth sense is the most important. Because from the five senses, then... Everything is, gets interpreted, and then everything gets uh, reproduced and uh, amplified with the mind. So the sense, the, the mind sense door, is very important. So that's why first you have the sila, you know, as the as the, the precepts and the morality. Then you have the control, not controlling, but uh, restraint of the sense or guarding the sense door. And this is an aspect that we need to practice because uh, if we go too fast, then uh, then you know we can have some more difficulty. So after the uh, restraining of the sense, then there is sati sampajanya. So we have to develop mindfulness and clear understanding. That means mindfulness. We have to be very mindful of what we are doing. And then clear understanding, the sampajanya, that means we have to understand what is going on what is going what is going on in the action itself what is going on in our mind what is the purpose of the action and uh, what is the if the mind is keeping the, the track on the on the right direction so this is sati and sampajanya and after that when we have those three things you know and then also we we use the you know the mindful not the mindfulness but um, uh, re re reflection on the requisite then we learn to be contented. So we can be contented with very little. And this is something, you know, it's a quality that needs to be de developed. So we have sila, then we have indriya sangvara, regarding the senses, then we have um, the mindfulness and clear awareness and clear understanding, then we have uh, contentment. And then from there, at that time, we are very strong because we know how to deal with things properly. You know, this is the human world. And then the solutions also are human. So this is something that is very practical. So when we have that type of basis, that type of basis, then when the nivarana are coming, then we are able to deal with them. And it, we have not yet reached, you know, the, the point of jhana. We have not yet reached sometimes uh, any kind of uh, specific meditation subject. We are just dealing with the basis. So how to deal with the hindrances from the beginning without uh, uh, deep concentration? We have It's a skill that we need to learn. So we have some people that are not like that. You have some people, they will go straight to the meditation and then they will be very successful and their mind will be very concentrated and then it's not a problem from them, you know. It, it naturally, they will have sila and naturally they will know, you know, because of the mind is very concentrated, they will know what to do when the entrance, when the entrance is coming. 
So it's like that. People also who have a lot of wisdom, then they don't need to uh, to work so much on the, you know, all the other things. Yes, the, all you know the the discourses or the explanations. I think we could, or the you know the, 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 the enabled teacher will just be able to take one little of one little subject and just uh, speak for hours and hours on that. And uh, because we need, uh, because it's very detailed. Now we just go very superficially, you know. So we need to we need to research. We need to do our own work, and sometimes we need to read books and to understand. Okay, what what is the approach? What is the what is the best way to with the, to deal with our life, and then also to deal with our mind? Because now we are mostly concerned with the meditation practice. But also practice ma- makes perfect. So when we practice, sometimes. It's it's important for the wisdom to develop. It's important to ask questions, so we can ask questions to other people, and then they will uh, they will uh, explain it explain it explain it to us. But the fact of asking questions bring us uh, bring us understanding, and sometimes when we ask questions, also we can get our own answer. So. One question. Ask to me. Well, the basic, the basic wrong view is the, the is the wrong view of self, you know. So that's the point. Not that the the self the, the the identification the wrong identification with the process. Okay, now this is me, and now you know I have to I have to do this or I have to do that, and I, I lack confidence. And so that feeling, you know, that uh, that identification with ourself, this is what is making the problem in all all our life. Actually, this is the biggest burden, no? To say, okay, now it's me and it's my life, and then it's all my problems. And if there is no me and no mine, then it's not, uh, it's not very difficult. But how to eradicate that uh, that feeling of I? It's not. Uh, this is something more <laughs> more subtle. And it, by meditation, you know, by me- meditation we will do it. But still, sometimes, you know, sometimes th- that feeling can come. You you ask the or 
It's still a concept, I think. So it is. Uh, it can be subjective. We cannot say. Oh, I mean, it depends on people. Do, do you think? Our, <coughs> our body is composed of subatomic particles. These particles are called kalaba and pali. So, <coughs> these kalabas are very small particles. These particles are not ultimate materiality. Again, you must analyze these particles. Other than that, only you will understand ultimate materiality. Buddha teaches this method. Why? For realization of four noble truth only. If one realizes four noble truth, first stage is called Sodabana Sri Vana. Second stage is called Sagadagami Vasradana. Third stage is called Anagami Nuradana. Fourth stage is Arhat. So to begin Arhat, Buddha teaches these four noble truths. If one penetrates these four noble truths, one day he began Arhat. If he began Arhat, at the day he will escape from the all defilements. If there are no defilements, <coughs> especially ignorance, craving, clinging. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.